That makes it Arab. Guess it's you. Take your Bible this morning and find Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at the second half of what we began last week. And uh, I'm sorry that you had to listen to Amber Fudd this morning, but just bear with me and pray with me. We'll get through this. Chapter 1, and uh, we're going to look at verses 5 uh, through uh, 9 this morning. Same title, moving from being an average Christian to excelling in the victorious Christian life. And that is moving and taking it over and claiming your promised land. Now this morning we're going to talk about three steps or three keys to uh, spiritual success in your life as a Christian and as a life of a church. Now let's begin reading in verse 5 of chapter 1, book of Joshua. That's the sixth book of your Bible. If you don't know where it says, if you can't find it, go to the front and they'll tell you what page to turn to. If you're like me, that's where I had to go, Terry. Verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe uh, to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Lord, this morning we ask you now to, to bless the singing of thy word, uh, the biblical words of the music, and Lord, the, uh, the word that we read in Sunday school, and now this morning from the pulpit. And pray, God, that you would honor your word, and as your spirit works in our hearts and minds, that we would make a decision that bring honor and glory to your name. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Now, you discover in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, there's three elements that led to Joshua's success as a leader as he took over for Moses. Now, when Moses died, which the Bible says that he was Moses' servant, or his uh, general, if you will, and... Uh, and a faithful one, if that, if that uh, in account, to account for that, one thing you've got to be, you got to be faithful follower before you can be a faithful leader. You need to remember that. Remember that. And uh, Moses, uh, being the leader, Joshua was faithful to his death. He led, he followed the word of God. And so uh, each of these great truths we're about to look at this morning comes from these four or five scriptures here. It's very simple, a very simple outline. If you uh, read your Bible, and, you know, I take a pen or a pencil, when I read my Bible, and I underline things like the verbs, the nouns, the pronouns, so forth, you've got to do that if you're going to study the Bible. I didn't know that they went to seminary. You know, I went to high school, and, and when I got to school grade, they said, he's out of here. And uh, they all just gave me a grade to me to get out of there. And so, <laughs> and, uh, so I didn't pay attention to English class, the English teacher. If you're an English teacher this morning, I pray for you and thank, thank you for what you do. And I got in seminary, and uh, just take a minute or two, and we had to take a test whether we had to take English or not in seminary. Well, I took that test, and I didn't make the right score, so they said, you're going in English. And I stayed for a whole year. People were coming and going, you know, and I had Stanford students coming in straight out of college, and they come in, they had to go through Middle English. But it helped me. 
It helped me in reading and studying the Word of God. There's a point to this. You need to know a little bit about English. You need to know what each word means. And I, in my opinion, that's why there's so many things being taught by different ones who are teaching the Bible in the air a lot of times because they don't know what the words mean. And so it's very important that you take your dictionary if you have to, and that's what I do, and take your Bible dictionary when you study the Word of God, and you'll get a lot more from it, and you'll, you'll grow and enrich your soul, and you'll be able to help other people along your journey. Well, you know, we say God, uh, said, uh, God made a promise. We see His promises here in this book. He uh, promised Joshua. He said, Joshua, you're taking over for Moses, and, um, and this is a promise to you that uh, this is going to be your land. He gives the boundaries of the land that, that the Jews were going to take as they claimed their promised land. And um, he said, I'm going to be with you forever wherever you go. Wherever your foot trods, that's going to be your land. And I'm going to be with you. And so uh, God makes promises through the Bible, doesn't he? And God is a God who does not break his promise. We have one example in the Bible of Noah when the great flood came. And, um, and when the flood was over with, he uh, gave them a rainbow day in the sky to, to fulfill God's promise that he'd never uh, destroy man by flood any war. And so when you see that beautiful rainbow in the sky, then you see God's promise being fulfilled, don't you? And the Bible's filled with promises. Well, we see that uh, in this chapter 1, if you were to go forward about 25 years from this chapter 1, you get to chapter 23. And you don't have to turn there, but chapter 23 and verse 3 and 14, we see uh, a promise fulfilled. And um, it's the key verse. The key verses of this book is found there in chapter 23, verse 3 and verse 14. And when uh, Joshua led the children of Israel forward, and he got to a point, he didn't say, Lord, look what i done, or even, Lord, Lord, look what we done, but he said, look what God's done. Now, folks, that's what you have to remember in your life, these songs you've been singing this morning. You didn't save yourself. God saved you. He paid the price. He shed his precious blood to cover our sins. And he's there making heaven, heaven for us already made. And one day he's going to call us home, just as these songs say. And so um, the scripture says, You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the promises that the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Now listen, I think that is a problem with a lot of us Christians. We read God's word and we read the promises of God. We read the commands of God. We read the encouragement of God. We read the warnings of God. And we just pass over it. We just read over it. And we don't really believe what God just said to us. Now, through in pastoring churches down through the years, uh, as a pastor, I've had to learn to take God at His Word. And it's when we're going to look about the word encourage, the word courage, and we find it three times here in this text, that God expects us to have courage, not in ourselves, but in God, and what God can do through our lives. God is a God. He wants us to try Him. Do you know that? He gives us a word, a, a, a word of leading, a word of a, a guide, or a, a promise, whatever, and He wants you to step out by faith and allow Him to show you what He can do for you. Now, he's done it here at Mount View Baptist Church. I mean, it's obvious. Now, I've been in a lot of churches, folks. I don't know if this is your only church or whatever. I've been in a lot of churches. And I'm going to say to you, not because Sammy paid me to say this, you've got a good church. Somebody say amen. You've got a good church. It took a good leader to lead you where you're at, Brother Sammy. And we are friends. He's my brother in Christ. But I say that with all my heart. 
you have a good church. But no church comes to a point where we don't stop learning and going forward. Amen? And so all churches need to go forward and go and do all the things that God has asked us to do. And one day He'll take us home and you'll be glad when you stand at the judgment bar of Christ and your works are judged. Your motive is judged, which is more important. And God will reward you for your faithfulness. It's coming. It's coming. And so three keys to spiritual success, and we'll try to get on here at a reasonable time this morning, which is supposed to be before 12 o'clock, okay? Now, I'm always trying to get on before 12 o'clock, but I never have made it. I have a time or two. We'll start at 11.15. But <laughs> I'm going to try to get on this morning, and we'll all go eat your dinner or lunch. The first key that I want you to see is this. The first key to spiritual success is this. You must have this before you go to any other steps, okay? The first key is you must have an assurance of God's presence. Now, I'm talking to Christians right now, okay? You must have an assurance in your life of God's presence in your life. You'll never know what that is until you trust God as a Christian to do the things that He's asked us to do, that He's instructed us to do, that He's uh, encouraged us to do, to do by courage. And so um, you find that in verse 5 and 9. He talks about courage. And so you're going to face personal challenges in your life as a Christian. You're going to face personal challenges in your life at the church, and you certainly have here down through the years. I was in Brother Sammy's office. I came out the little room there, a uh, little hallway. And he's got these pictures of the old church when he first came here. And Brother Judy, you know, man, right? the, the next church house that you built, and then the storm come along, and, and God had you put this in here. That didn't just happen. Listen, that just did not happen. God's hand was upon the people here. He was upon the, your leader, Brother Sammy Taylor, to get these things done. All the people been saved who's come through these doors, who's come to this altar. All the people who answered the ministry call in their lives. All the things that's happened. as God's fulfillment in your life. And so the Lord said, I'll never, never leave you nor forsake you. And that means that God never goes on vacation. Now we go on vacation, I go on vacation. Because sometimes it's old body now. I'm saying old body. It's tired. We have to go sit down somewhere. Quit worrying about your, your worldly job that you're on. We take vacation. But God never takes a vacation. He never naps. In fact, He knows what's in your heart and mind. That's what's a dangerous thing right now, Brother Tyrion. <laughs> when this guy go get on? I've got to go lunch. I've got the tea time to go to. I've got the late to go to. Be careful what you think about when you worship hour. And so I want to read you an illustration that I found here. It's a very lengthy illustration. It's true. It's a story written by Carrie Bright illustrating the power of God's presence. And I'm going to kind of shorten this thing down. Carrie's mother, or brother, got a call. He lived in Michigan. He got a call to a new job in Southern California. And so he had to leave suddenly. Well, his mama said, uh, well, you go on, son, and I'll drive your pickup over there, and I'll fly back. And so the day before she got in that pickup to drive toward Southern California, she fell and broke her left wrist. Well, she was a tough woman. And she went on and she got in that truck and she began to drive to Southern California after a few days. Uh, uh, she got tired and uh, she pulled over to a truck stop. And it says that every time she see an 18-wheeler go by that she just cringed. And she wouldn't drive about 55 or 60 on the interstate. And she was scared. And so um, she pulled into a, a, a truck stop in West Texas to take a nap. After a nap, she stopped at a truck stop to get some coffee. 
as she was leaving the coffee shop, a strange man walked up and said, Ma'am, are you driving a white GMC pickup with a Michigan license plate? Well, she was apprehensive about answering him, and she assured her, uh, he assured her that he was not going to do any harm to her. And she said, yes, I'm driving that. And so he said, wait just a minute. So he, he walked to the side, he got his cell phone, and he called this guy. And um, he said, I have found Granny. <laughs> the truckers had nicknamed her Granny. Maybe you heard that story. It's a true story. And so he came back, and he said, um, he said we lost you. He said, you didn't, you didn't realize it, but... So the truckers come out and saw you having a difficult time driving that five-speed pickup in the floor, and you had a broken left wrist. And we had truckers watching you. When you'd go to this truck stop, another trucker would pick you up and follow you, watching over you. And we just want to let you know that someone cared about you. And so, you know, she, she left the truck stop. She started on her way to, to her, uh, her destination. And it made the trip much easier because she knew that someone was watching over her. That's a good story. That's a true story. But you know what? It's good and it's faithful and as loving those truckers are, we got someone watching over us that never naps. He knows when we stop, when we're going, what we're dreaming, all those things, you know. God is always with us. And so you've got to have the assurance. You've got to believe with all your heart that God is always, you're always in his presence. Now, I know it's tough. Sometimes people get very, very sick, and they're in pain. And maybe you have a relative that's going through a problem. Whatever kind of problem it is, God is still there. He's still there. You're in his presence. You never fail to trust in him. Now, the world tells you to trust in the world and the things of the world and give you psychiatric care uh, from a worldly doctrine. And they do their, they've got a good thing they do. You know, they do treat people. And sometimes they help people. The second key is this. You must have courage to face God's challenge. You must have courage to face God's challenge. And verse seven, nine, 6, 7, 9 tells us that. Three times we see the word courage is used. It's courage. You know, courage... Uh, is a, very, is a word that's very difficult to define sometimes. Uh, so much defined courage is uh, having grit <laughs> or uh, having backbone or, or being brave or, or got much valor or confidence in ourselves. But it's much more difficult than that. And maybe you heard the story about the, uh, uh, about the man who said, he, who got up and bragged that he had uh, cut the tail off of a man-eating lion. You've heard that story? He said he cut the tail off a man-eating lion, and he'd done it with his pocket knife. And so this guy walked up, and he said, well, he said, if you're so brave that you cut that tail off that lion, why didn't you cut his head off? He said, because somebody's already done it. <laughs> Sometimes we had that kind of courage. We think we have courage, but we don't have courage. Courage is one of those things that if you think you have, you probably don't. It's like humility. If you think you have humility, you probably don't have it. Encourage you one of those things when you get in a, a place of uh, difficulty or uh, a confrontation, whatever, and God shows up on time, the Holy Spirit's living in you, He helps you, and you realize that you have courage because of who you are a child of God, filled with the Spirit of God, instructed by the Word of God. And God carries you through whatever problem you have. Now, there's biblical examples all throughout the Bible. There's little David who picked up the five smooth, uh, smooth stones out of the brook, and um, he walked toward that uh, mighty giant, Goliath. 
with nothing but a slingshot in his hand. That took courage. What about Moses? When God said, Moses, you go to Pharaoh, the mighty Pharaoh, and tell him, let my people go. They did that ten times. That took a lot of courage. How about Elijah in the Bible? When Elijah was up on that mountain and he called down the fire from God, as he faced those 450 male prophets, those false prophets, that took lots of courage. Let's bring it closer home to us. Let's think about World War II. My daddy fought in World War II. And uh, some of you people may have had folks who fought in that war. And uh, it took much courage for those men and women who, who stormed the beaches of Normandy and Omaha and, and Juneau. My daddy fought in Patton's army. And I didn't know this for years and years, that uh, Diane's dad was, was a prisoner of war in Germany for 18 months. My daddy fought in Patton's army who went across the English Channel to help liberate not only just the European people, but those American POWs. Folks, that took a lot of courage. And what do you want to say about General Patton? He had courage. And we need Christians with courage like that, that go forward. When things are looking bad, things looking bleak, you still believe in God, you keep going forward. And you know God's going to get you through it. And He does. Let's bring a little closer to home. Some of you teenage kids out there, listen to me now. Who have kept yourself pure before marriage. Now I know it's tough today in the world that we live in. I saw all you see on TV. And the, and the movies, and then everything you pick up and read, it's all about sex. But listen to me, kids. You're not kids anymore if you're a teenager. Courage. Courage. As a Christian, show your courage. You've got to make your mind up. That's the lesson we had last Sunday night, Brother Kyle, that we've got to think differently. The first thing you need to realize is that God, if you're a Christian, God's giving you the Spirit of God who helps you to make that decision. You say, you make a decision before you go out of the house. I'm not going to do these things. And if you don't do that, you just open yourself up. And that is adults too. As adults who work in the world out here and all kinds of things going on, I know where you're at. I've worked in the world for a long time. You have to make a decision. I'm not going to have a part in that. Maybe you've got a boss who expects you to be crooked on your job. He expects you to lie to make a dollar for him. You make up your mind before you leave the house. I'm not going to do it. If I lose my job today, that's fine. God will give me another job. Amen? Amen. And I can tell you a story about that, how God provided me another job because of a, a boss I had who was a devil pants on. Told me to do all kinds of things that was wrong. And I wouldn't do it. And I was one of the lower all the lower managers, and there were nine of us. And because I wouldn't lie and cheat for him and run around with women with him, he eased me out. God gave me another job. And you live for God, and you got courage because God has empowered you, and He's given you instruction, and He's given you encouragement, and He's caused you to grow in faith. Just keep on keeping on. Don't worry about what the world can do to you. Well, the Christian life is certainly not a playground, is it? It's a battleground. Every day we go out, it's a battleground. As Paul said, when Paul gave his life to Christ, remember what he said? 
He said, I'm in a warfare. I'm in a daily warfare. The Holy Spirit's pulling this way, and the Spirit of the devil's pulling this way. You remember what he said over in Corinthians? He said, who's ever mine? You lend your mind to what it means. If you lend your mind to Christ today, you're going to do things for Christ. If you lend your mind to the devil, you're going to do the devil things. You have to make up your mind. You have to use that mind God gave you. God gave you a mind, he gave you a will, and he gave you emotions, didn't he? He gave you a mind or brain to learn. He gave you a will to make willful decisions. And he gave you emotion to feel God and to feel guilt and to feel happiness and joy. Amen. I read about David Livingstone. You heard of him, a missionary many years ago, who was a missionary to Africa. And uh, a British missionary society, a guy wrote him a letter and said, Brother Livingstone said, have you found a good road to where you're at? If you have, we're going to send you more men to help you. Well, he sent a letter back to the society, and he said, well, if you've got men who only come if we've got a good road to come to, I don't need those men. I need men who will come where there's no road at all. A jungle, if you will. I think about Arthur Blessed. How many heard of Arthur Blessed? The man who took care of the cross on his back? You've seen, you not seen that? He's 70-something odd years old today. But he's been over 300 countries islands carrying a nine foot cross I know you've seen it witnessing for Christ and preaching for Christ he's walked over 38,000 miles now he was a Baptist he said he's a Baptist when he started off he's from Greenwood Mississippi and uh, I mean one story he told that he went through this jungle there was, a, there was a tour guide, not a tour guide, but a guy that went with him to show them the way through the jungle. Well, he had another guy that went with him and had video there where he went. The jungle got so bad, the guy turned back on him. I'm not going any further. He had to go through that jungle to go where he was going. And it's on video. And he trusted God because he had courage in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he was going up this road. He finally got out of the jungle. And um, he was thirsty, he was tired, he was dirty, and he'd gotten word that there was a missionary camp on up the road. He finally got to that missionary camp. He was looking forward to getting a, maybe a hot meal and some cold water and a place to lay down for two or three days. And when he got there, this missionary came out. It was a Catholic missionary. And the guy come out and said, what can I do for it? He said, I heard you have a missionary camp here, and uh, I'd like to spend two or three days if it'd be okay. He said, uh, well, what missionary society do you come from? He said, I don't come from missionary society. I'm doing what God's telling me to do. You don't belong to any missionary organization? No. Well, I'm sorry, you can't stay here. He said, but I'm doing missionary work. I've been in 300 countries. Sharing the gospel to people who are lost. I'm sorry, you had to go on up the road. And two people came, a young man, a young woman came by and looked hard and stopped and picked them up. And said, uh, What are you doing carrying this cross? And he told them. They said, Well, won't you come to our house and stay for one, two, three days? And he got there and he got to question those two and they were. Atheist. Two atheists picked him up. 
It's hilarious what God do you sometimes in it. Supposed to have been a Christian missionary, it wouldn't help him. God sent two atheists by to help him. And all and all, he tells his stories. I've got the, the, seat, the DVD if you want to borrow it and look at it. Courage. It takes courage to go on for God. Whatever God's called you to do. It takes courage. And so there are challenges. Regardless of where you're at in your life as a Christian or as a church, there are challenges that are ahead. And I'm glad God don't tell us what they are, aren't you? But there's challenges ahead, that lies ahead for us individual Christians and for this church here at Mountain View. And it depends on how you respond to that challenge of what kind of courage that you really have as a Christian or as a church. Remember those things. I know Brother Sammy, he's probably taught you these things. The last thing is this. You must have obedience to God's Word. You must have obedience to God's Word. We find that in uh, verses 7 and 8. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it. From what? From the law, the word. Or to the right hand, to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now look at this, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. And it doesn't mean you're not supposed to speak it, okay? It's right the opposite. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have a good success. Now, three things that we find here. God had warned Joshua that the only way to be a successful man, a successful uh, believer, if you will, was to pay attention to God's law, but not just pay attention to it. Listen, there's a lot of folks who read the Bible and study the Bible, and they get knowledge, and they never share it. Dr. Jimmy Draper, who used to be the, uh, uh, the Southern Baptist uh, uh, over, the, over the Sunday school department, if you will, in Nashville. And, I, you know, you see these one-liners sometimes sticks in your mind. Well, I, I, one time I was reading a magazine, a Christian magazine, a Southern Baptist magazine, and he was talking about uh, Sunday school, and how we to read and study and grow in our Sunday school class and so forth. And he said, but the worst and the drastic and most horrendous thing about Sunday school is this. We go into Sunday school and we study the Word of God, and we learn knowledge, we gain knowledge, and it stays right here and never goes out your mouth. Now, I'm not getting on anybody, I'm just saying we're all the same way. God gives us these words. He gives these truths to share with other people. Amen? And Brother Sam, I know he's preached 40 years here, and he's telling you and nothing I can tell you he hasn't already told you. But I'm telling you, folks, there are lost people out there who probably live around this church. I don't know who they are. They've never heard a simple explanation of the gospel. I promise you. I pastor seven, probably seven churches during my time. And there's always someone in the community. They say, well, I believe in who Je about Jesus. I believe he's the Son of God. That's all they know. No one's ever sat down with them and give them a simple explanation of the gospel and extend the Lord's invitation. And I made this statement one time at church. And I made it as a general statement. I make it as a general statement this morning. See, I'm not talking about a Mountain View Baptist Church, and I make this statement. But this is, in my opinion, as a Christian, as a preacher. 
But I believe not many people being baptized in our church as believers because the Word of God is not going outside the four walls. That's a general statement, okay? I want you to understand that. I'm talking about churches as a whole. Baptist, or not Baptist, just Christian churches. The gospel is not going outside the four walls. We got knowledge inside, but no knowledge going outside. And the power of God is still the power of God. The, the power of the gospel is still powerful enough to save anyone who will listen and believe with all their heart. And three things you see in verse 7 and 8, real quickly. God tells us to honor His Word in three, word, three ways. First of all, we're to speak His Word. Where it says you should not depart from your mouth, it means to read the Word of God. Now listen, you, you people younger than me, I'm almost 100 years old. Start reading the Bible when you're younger. And start memorizing the Bible while you're young, while your mind's good. Read the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God and then speak the Word of God. Amen? That's the way it is. Read the Word of God. Learn the Word of God. Memorize it. And then speak the Word of God. But secondly, he says, now you to speak the Word of God, you are to meditate upon the Word of God. That is, when you read the Word of God and God gives you a thought while you're studying, it means to mull it over. Like, you know how that old cow does to be out there in the pasture and, and she'll bring up her cud, start chewing on her cud? That's the way you do the Word of God. You meditate on the Word of God. You mutter it over and over and over. You know what's, what's so uh, um, exciting to me when I, when I read and study the Word of God? You know, you'll sit down and study a passage this late. And God gives you a, a, an idea or a, or a thought about that Scripture. And later on, you'll go back to that same passage again. You ever notice how God will give you something else? Why is that? Because He can't give it all to us at one time. We couldn't, we couldn't take it in. That's why it's important. You read your Bible daily, daily. And meditate on that word. Thirdly, is obedience. He said, do. Say that word do, it means it has action in it. Do these things according to what the law says, according to what the word of God says. He says, go do those things. So you can't be a Christian and sit down and not do anything. <laughs> Let me say this. Did you know a, a person who calls him or herself a Christian that's not involved in the work of God in some way or another is unbiblical. We're servants. God saved us. We were servants of Satan. And when Christ came in our heart, we became a bond servant of Christ. He's our master. And so when we're not serving, then it's unbiblical. The word serve means to get up and go and do things. Okay? Don't be afraid. Have courage. Do what you know to do. Do what you know to do, and God will give you more as you go on. Write this verse down if you write in your Bible. I, I got, in front of my Bible, I write down verses sometimes, or one line that people say that it sticks. John 14 and 21. John chapter 14 and 21 tells us, he says, uh, Jesus said, me and my father are one. And they say that we love you, you know, as, as believers, and so forth. And then it says uh, that uh, if you will believe Him with all your heart, if you will trust Him, if you'll be obedient to the Word of God as you know it today. And I'm paraphrasing this because it, I want you to understand what it says. If you're obedient to what you know today, what the Word of God says to you, 
and you come back tomorrow and you study again, I'll give you a little bit more. And he says, I will reveal. Me and my Father will reveal ourselves to you, and I promise you he'll do it. You can't be in a hurry to graduate because you're not going to graduate in this world, okay? Amen, I tell you. Dr. S.M. Lockridge, a great black preacher out on the West Coast, he was teaching on courage. <laughs> this is what he said. He said, if God tells me to jump through a brick wall, he said, it's my job to jump at it. And it's God's job to get me through it. Amen? That's why you've got to look at it. God will get you through it. If he tells you to do it, he'll get you through it. And that's the kind of trust that you now have. Now listen, we're going to end right here. Last week, you know, we, we looked at a map, if you will, of Egypt, of the Exodus of going into the wilderness, of going to Canaan, your promised land, or the victorious living, and then the Kadesh Barnea, which means decision time, decision point. Now, if you're still in Egypt, that means this. If you're still in your sins, you've never given your heart and life to Christ. You've never personally said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. That means you agree with what he said about you. I'm a sinner. And God, I know that you can save me because you save Richard Crumb. You save him, you save anybody. And put all your trust in him. He'll save you and he'll take you out of Egypt. He'll take you out of the bondage of sin and put you in the body of Christ. Or maybe you're a Christian that, uh, that you've, been, you've been saved for some time and you feel like that you're still walking in the wilderness. You're just wandering around. Remember that? You're just wandering around. With no direction, no sense of direction. It's time to pray. And say, God, I've been in the wilderness long enough. And I want a sense of direction. I'm going to tell you how to get it. When Brother Sammy preaches to you, or one of your teachers teaches, helps you learn the scriptures, and God speaks to you about something, right then you'll be obedient to what God's told you to do. Right then. And trust God and have courage. And some of you have been a believer for many years. And this is one of those one-liners you'll write down in front of your Bible. The life of victory in Jesus is your spiritual heritage. All you have to do is follow Jesus over and to the promised land of victory. Now, I'm not talking about heaven right here. We're talking about Canaan. Canaan is where we're at today as Christians. God wants us to live a victorious Christian life. And you can have a, Christian, a victorious Christian life if you want to have it. You've got to have a desire to have it. A burning desire to have those things. I want to close with this illustration. I'm finished. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, who's gone on with the Lord, told this story about a, a man from England who come to the United States. And after he'd been here a few uh, days and weeks, he, he just came up missing. No one knew where he was at. His family hadn't heard from him. And then one day, they found him. His uncle had died in England, who was very wealthy, and left him $5 million. They finally found this man in Chicago. They found him laying in front of a door of a, of a motel. He had frozen to death because he didn't think he had any money to pay for a hotel room because he didn't know what he had inherited. 
And there are Christians today that we don't realize what we have already inherited. The Bible says that we're joint heirs of Christ Jesus. And we're not like some who says, well, you know, give $10 to the Lord to give you 100 back. But God has promised to take care of us. Now, whether it be financially, our marital life, whatever you do, your Christian life, your Christian call, God is there. And He's with you every step of the way, okay? He never stops. He never veers off the path. We're the ones who veer off the path, not God. God is always there. Many Christians today are living that way. They're struggling in spiritual poverty because they don't realize the inheritance that we already have in Christ Jesus. There are so many things that you can talk about. And, and the discipleship classes that you have on, on Sunday evening, some of you are missing. I'm telling you, folks, that's where you grow in your Christian life. You grow in discipleship training. And you ought to be here. I'm not your pastor. I'm just encouraging you. You ought to be here for those classes. Successful churches. Now listen. Successful churches are filled with courageous Christians. Amen? Successful Christian churches are filled with courageous Christians who are not afraid to keep going forward. I'm going to ask you to bow your head as our musicians come. Brother Kyle comes. Stand in front of the pulpit to receive this morning. Let's all stand, please.